Rachel McAdams. Yes. She's Canadian. Oh, is she really? Yeah. I'm oh, from eh? Canada. I didn't know that, eh? It's Sunday, February 24th, and you're listening to this special release episode of the Typed Out Podcast. I am your host, Nick Polifrone. Every week, Typed Out aims to deliver conversations that seek to expand the boundaries of understanding and acceptance. It's Hollywood's biggest night, and though there has been a lot of buzz around this year's Oscars, we're here to address something quite different. The 91st Academy Awards are being lauded as the queerest in history, but just how queer are they? Here with me to investigate this question and a few others along the way is writer, actor, and my friend, David Robert Moore. David, welcome. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah, of course. So we have a lot to unpack here. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you do happen to hear some background music, unfortunately, as I have prefaced throughout a few of my episodes, we are recording this from my lovely apartment in Brooklyn. And so you can't tell people to stop living during the day. You cannot. And it's a beautiful apartment. Yes. And it's the Beatles, so we can at least appreciate the music that is accompanying us along this conversation. Agreed. But first thing, I mean, you and I have talked about this. Well, especially because the, when the Kevin Hart thing came up, I actually happened to be at your apartment and we wound up talking about that and mm-hmm. then going down the rabbit hole of what is happening with the Oscars this year and saw the headlines about it being the queerest in history. Mm-hmm. So as to, if I may, self-identifying gay men. Yes. Uh, proud. Proud, yes. Lift it up there. <laughs> um, and by that, I mean your fist. <laughs> <laughs> but so when you call something the queerest in history, of course, the queer community is going to look at it and see like who really is queer that's involved. And so what I really want to look into here is is just the roles, the roles that are up for nomination. So we're talking best actor, uh, best supporting actor, best actress, best supporting actress. And then I think we well, don't I, really have to examine the films, but sorry. Well, we don't say actress anymore. No, I I prefer to say actor. Yeah. So, but even in the Oscars, are they, I think it's just female actor, right? Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's sort of a... Oh, hey, progression. I, no, I I'm here for that. So. But, well, I see it. We're oh. looking at Vox News okay. right now, and they have it listed as actress. Okay. So, Vox, get with it. <laughs> we would prefer female actor. Yes. So, I think of all the roles, which are seven off the top of my head, the actors playing those roles all identify as straight. Mm-hmm. And... This has just kind of been something that we've talked about, and it's there's a phrase around it, and uh, some people are calling it gay face. I prefer to call it straight washing. Please share your thoughts on that as someone who's in the entertainment industry. Well, it's it's fascinating that all these roles are getting so much attention, and these characters are LGBTQ plus identifying characters. Yeah. So obviously these roles are incredible award-winning performances but they're also written as award-winning performances as well we got to give some credit to these writers who created these roles and created these characters yeah so for all these straight actors to be portraying these roles and getting all this credibility it's a little backwards i think to be calling this the queerest oscars of all time when none of these people are identifying in their real lives as being queer artists right the conversation is about visibility yes so you hear a lot of people saying oh well it's acting anyone can play any role 
the best actor should be awarded to play the role. It shouldn't matter what their sexuality is, what their background is. But unfortunately, that's not how things work. Right. This is a business. Right. First and foremost. Yeah. And one thing I do want to address here is that we're only going to be looking at the the performance of the actors involved. We're not talking about writers. We're not talking about producers, directors, any of that. We're talking about the people that make it in front of the camera because there could very well be queer identifying folks behind the scenes, but it's all about getting in front of the lens. Mm -hmm. And so there's just been a longstanding history of LGBTQ identifying folks that don't make it in front of the camera. And so that's what we're really addressing here. That's where this whole straight washing slash gay face comes into play Mm -hmm. again coming back to the visibility it is great that people are beginning to see queer stories being told that are making it into hollywood's biggest night the oscars like i remember when i was on my path to becoming an actor the oscars was the thing that you looked forward to it has the highest esteem you know and it's just looking at how the things within society affect such things as the entertainment industry and also the award shows, because I don't think either one are exempt from society and culture. In fact, they're very much reflections of it. Agreed. And last year, I think it was last year, Call Me By Your Name was up for a nomination. Mm -hmm. In fact, the two actors were nominated. And I know there was so much buzz around that movie, so much buzz around it, and like how it was basically... It felt like it was just a tier above what Brokeback Mountain brought to the playing field. But again, in both scenarios, you have two quote-unquote iconic gay films that are being portrayed by straight people, identifying as straight people. Mm -hmm. And this isn't to say, and we'll get into this as the second part of three parts, but this isn't to say that people have to come out to self-identify in order to play these roles. And I don't know how people live their private lives. But what I would like to address is the way in which Hollywood forces people to be closeted in a way. Mm -hmm. As if like coming out prevents you from getting considered for roles that are queer. Because it does. Yes. Well, it's, I mean, it's really interesting to look at the path of being gay in Hollywood um, we've got all these older stars, all these older generations. We got Tom Cruise, we got John Travolta, who have had gay rumors surrounding them their entire lives, yes. and yet they're still in the closet. And there is truth to saying being gay will limit you in your casting when you're an actor. Yes. It is, it's totally 100% true. And that's why we have so many closeted actors yeah and for someone to say oh well it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight you should be able to play any role it it doesn't really work that way and that's why it's so important to be casting out proud gay lgbtq plus actors and artists in these roles because they're not getting a chance to play other roles right there's really a minimal minimal a very limited opportunity for out actors yes so when you see these roles of out and proud characters and you're not casting lgbtq plus actors in those roles you're really doing a disservice to the gay community and you're actually taking advantage by not bringing a truthful 
and honest representation to those roles, which you very well could if you took the chance and maybe cast your net a little bit wider, maybe saw a few more artists who identify as gay and maybe gave them a chance to do an audition or to be considered for these roles, opposed to just going with your highest box office draw. Right. Or at least starting to change and challenge the way that the entertainment industry receives actors who are queer, mm-hmm. who are secretly queer, that feel uh, repressed in expressing their sexuality. Because again, some of these people and actors always find some level of truth in the role that they bring, right? Because mm-hmm. it's you work as a vessel, you're channeling something, you always find some human aspect that you can connect with to that character. Mm-hmm. And so these queer elements may very much resonate with the actors portraying these roles, but we should create a safe environment within the entertainment industry for people to feel comfortable saying, I'm exploring this role as a bisexual character because I myself am investigating or looking into or exploring bisexuality. Mm -hmm. And no one should condemn them for that. That shouldn't be career suicide just because you say Mm -hmm. that you may have had a relationship or interest in someone of the same gender. Mm -hmm. Well, we're entering a really interesting time right now with casting because roles are being cast so specifically with ethnic background, with um, skills. I've seen roles where uh, on breakdowns for actors, they want a person who to play a doctor just in the background, possibly mm. with actual medical skills. Yeah. So it's not. Yeah, it's it's becoming a mirror almost. People want casting directors and producers and creators want as, as specific and authentic portrayals of characters as they can, as close as possible, except. For when it comes to gay roles. For whatever reason, there's still so much fear, so much homophobia, that people aren't taking on that area and getting specific with it. Which they should, because people should get a chance to portray these roles who may not have had a chance before. Right. I know that they're doing West Side Story right now, and they're extremely specific with having Latino actors playing all the roles of the the sharks. Yeah. Where back in the day, in the 50s, when you had the original film, a lot of those sharks were white people. With brown face. With brown face, yeah. Which, we've talked about that. (laughs) Not acceptable. Yeah, it's not acceptable. So... It's it's really it's confusing to me why stuff is getting so specific with race and not with sexuality, sexuality or gender presentation. Yeah. yeah, and it's about bringing something authentic to the story, to the film, to whatever you're portraying, and not not caring to bring something authentic in the regards for these amazing, incredible roles that are Oscar-nominated roles. It's it's weird. It's it's something's up. Something's fishy to me. It's yeah. it's really strange. Yeah. And the other thing here that I want to it actually ties into a bit of the forward that we had in this episode is like I'm not questioning the talent of these actors that are up for these roles because I think the fact that they are nominated means that they're brilliant at what they do. And yeah, some of them it's I, not about talent. Yeah, exactly. I very much stand by some of the the folks that are nominated. But the thing here is we're evading the true problem, which is the fact that these roles, that queer people aren't being considered for these roles. Exactly. And one thing that strongly evoked this whole conversation for me was I recently watched the film Milk. 
which I hadn't seen up until I think I watched it on um, New Year's Eve this year. And I hadn't seen it, which came out in 2008. And after watching it, and maybe it's because I've had some distance from when it was released to now and just doing this whole whole thing of, of new interest in the queer community and the history of it and investigating the icons and trailblazers that have got us to this point, I just felt a little duped in the way that it was all straight people telling queer history mm-hmm. in that way. Like, And it's not to say that Sean Penn didn't do a good job or a great job as Harvey Milk, but the only queer identifying or gay identifying actor in that role was, um, his name is blanking me or escaping me at the at the moment, but he wound up playing the bigot, which I just feel so many different ways about that. Like you have all the roles that are queer identifying, advocating for change that are historical being played by straight identifying people. Russell. Oh my God. Russell O'Hare. Thank you. There we are. Russell O'Hare plays brilliant actor, brilliant actor identifies as gay. As far as I'm aware is married to a man. And he was the only gay person that I know of that was involved in that production and played the bigot. Now, I don't know if that was meant to be irony or what, but at some point, history has to land in the hands of the demographic who understand those struggles. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I mean, the the argument there is bringing it back to this is a business. So hiring the actor with the biggest box office draw in a lot of people's minds is the best actor for that role. Yeah. If you can hire an actor who is a movie star, why would you hire some no-name LGBTQ plus actor who doesn't have a lot of credits, maybe is just as talented, but will they bring your film to to big heights? Will your film be as successful if you don't hire a Hollywood actor? Which is really sad because if your art is strong and poignant and truthful and has meaning and value... It should stand on its own. Right. So it's it's I mean it's a kind of a gray area because a lot of people are going to argue saying, well, I, I'm making this film. It's about an LGBTQ plus uh, protagonist. I can't hire an LGBTQ plus actor because none of them have the box office draw that I need to get my film to where I want it to be to make money. And therein lies the problem. Mm-hmm. Therein lies the problem. The fact that if you don't have an A-list actor who identifies within the queer community available to play that role, that is exemplary of the problem in which this podcast is centered around. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes, we have Ellen, we have Neil Patrick Harris, there's Laverne Cox, Matt Bomer, Matt Bomer, like, but the other thing is we don't see them playing queer roles and they may not want to, which I completely understand and I respect that. But at the same point in time, Ellen has pretty much just pursued comedy and Mm -hmm. her talk show. Neil Patrick Harris is doing his thing. Laverne Cox is doing her thing. It's like, we shouldn't have one representative of each demographic. There should be a plethora of, of cultivated talent in which we can offer these roles to. We should have an abundance of gay LGBTQ plus male leading actors and female leading actors yes it's shocking how few out lgbtq actors there are out there that have that sort of high status in hollywood there's not a lot and i'm sure we would all be very unsurprised at how many lgbtq plus actors there are out there who are in the closet who are 
award-winning actors who are big box office draws who are in the closet and they are not coming out anytime soon for fear of losing their work. Right. Which they will. Right. And also that's called workplace discrimination. Mm -hmm. Right. Just to put that into two clear words. But the other thing is this made me think of Pose, which I love. And I know a lot of people were like, well, the acting wasn't all that strong, but it was just like the thing there is that these women are getting the representation. These are authentic roles being Mm -hmm. played by authentic transgender people Mm -hmm. and the point is that we haven't been able to cultivate people actors like that so you know what i'd rather have them kind of learn on screen Mm -hmm. and again i still love the story and it's just it's so important and relevant to just get the material out there and have these people authentically play those roles and let them grow into it mm-hmm. right because if we never give people the chance if we would just say but i don't have a person to play that role that is outwardly identifying if you never take the first step to solve the problem the problem will never be solved mm-hmm. So you have to start cultivating the careers of LGBTQ plus people in order to get them to that level of being A-list, to get them to be box office draws. We can't have Scarlett Johansson play every fucking role, you know, across the board. I do love Scarlett Johansson, but it's like at the same point in time, some roles, and I understand as someone who used to be an actor that you want the challenge of being able to play roles that are different from you. But there are boundaries there. There are, especially with film and TV where, I mean, I would, I'm an actor. I would love to play a 65-year-old woman who's going through a midlife crisis and dealing with her kids and like having just shit thrown at her. Yeah. But I will never get cast in that role because I don't look like that role. Right. Acting is not rocket science. Yeah. It is, it's an art form and we need to start celebrating LGBTQ plus actors so that they can take on these roles. Right. When I talk about this with people, a lot of people say, oh, well, it's acting. Shouldn't it just go to whoever is the best actor? And it doesn't go to who's just the best actor. It goes to who has the connections, who's being who's being celebrated, who's got who's making the most money. So it's really time to start getting behind these actors and Mm -hmm. bringing them forward and casting them and stuff. And especially casting them in LGBTQ plus characters, because right now that's a lot of the only thing that these gay actors can play that will be accepted as if they're already out in public, because the general public is very close minded when it comes to this kind of thing. Another thing that pops into my head before we get into our third prong of this episode is how many gay actors do you know that feel the need to quote unquote straighten up for roles like they they adopt a more butch personality because they fear that their inherent gayness will get them removed or in this case typed out from an audition everyone every gay actor i know i mean i know growing up i was so scared of auditions because i remember people telling me to bring my balls into the room act straight butch it up i have had um opportunities to read for casting directors who were extremely homophobic and telling even straight actors to butch it up to be more masculine to stop working out because they looked gay because their bodies were too fit it's a (laughs) it's extremely a homophobic environment the casting room and strangely enough, a lot of the casting directors are gay or women who probably have lots of gay friends. Yes. 
And they are at the helm of these production companies who are extremely homophobic and do not want anything close to being gay near any of their projects in fear of losing money. Yeah. So we're going to make this a fourth prong episode. There's going to be four arguments, or not arguments, but points, conversational points. And it blossomed out of what you were just talking about. And somebody had actually brought to my attention, well, there's so many you know, queer people that do work in Hollywood. Like You wouldn't think that it would be so homophobic. And I will say that when you operate in a homophobic society, everyone is homophobic, even gay people. Mm-hmm. Even gay people suffer from homophobia. Mm-hmm. They even suffer from transphobia. One thing that Spencer had mentioned in a previous episode is that a community isn't always a monolith. We're not all standing in line with one another and all share the same values, beliefs, and a sense of integrity. You know, we're all affected differently because we are individuals. But in this case, it's just like, yes, you may have a gay casting director and then somebody walks in the room, a gay actor, queer actor, and they're being told to butch it up, to straighten up, to bring their balls into the room. Well, why would a gay person tell another gay person to do that? Why would they be so homophobic? Why? Because that is the way that the industry standard has been set, Mm -hmm. right? It's working under a heteronormative precedent. And therefore, if you're not challenging the system, you are conforming to the system. So even if you yourself maintain a relationship with someone of the same gender outside of the casting room, you are still operating within the framework of that industry. It's being... um... What's it? Is it, enabling. Yeah, exactly. You are enabling it. Yes. So with actors, again, being the ones in front of the camera, it's like my queerness can be hidden, but yours can't. So you either need to eliminate it as much as you can in the room or you're not going to get the job. You know, if you're in the crew or production area of a production, it doesn't matter what you do in your private life mm-hmm. if, because it's the actor who is the front facing person. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we didn't have to have all these press tours and people having interviews and doing all the things, if people, if actors were able to just get in front of a lens and tell a story, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. But, but our, I mean, actors, private lives are public. They're exploited. They are big time. I mean, it's crazy how much we know about these people Yeah, and therefore they don't have any secrets and their sexuality is out there on the line. And I mean, you hear a lot of people saying, well, I don't know if I would believe a gay actor playing a straight romantic role. Well, I would turn that around and say, I don't know that I would believe a straight actor playing a gay role. There you go. Point in case being, call me by your name. It was Timothée Chalamet acting across a plank of wood. Mm. So Army Hammer is pretty to look at. But at the same point in time, I checked out halfway through that movie. In fact, I think the straight couple next to me enjoyed it way more than I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, you see these films and people say, well, these are films for these are gay films for straight audiences. Yes. So this now brings us to our fourth prong of the argument. Um, I'm loving this four prong fork analogy. (laughs) Bear with me, y'all. Stick a fork in it. which is, do people have to identify? Do people have to say, I'm gay, I'm queer, I'm bisexual, I'm transgender, I'm this? Should we put that pressure on actors to do so? And I would argue no, but please. I, I agree with no, too. But I also agree with yes, because I know that there are a plethora of young gay actors out there, young male and female actors who are LGBTQ+, who, for them, they identify as gay, and they feel strongly 
that they have a place within our community and I want them to be proud and to take that identity and own it. Absolutely. So that's why it's on one hand, it's really important for us older generation to, to say, I am gay. Here I am. I'm out. You can be gay. You can be out too. But on the other hand, your point saying you're right. It doesn't really matter. Well, yep. If I, if I may it's a label. explore my answer or explain my answer a little bit more, the reason I say no is that ultimately nobody's sexuality should matter and keep them from a position. Mm. The fact that this stigma exists is the issue. Mm. It's the stigma that we hold around sex, sexuality, gender identity. That is the issue. It's not whether somebody has to come out and identify it's the fact that there is negative implications if somebody does. So that's why I'm saying the answer is no. But yes, it, I do agree that people should. People should feel comfortable. And the fact that they don't feel comfortable to come forward and say something, that is indicative of a larger problem. Mm-hmm. So yes, if you feel comfortable and if you feel safe and you don't feel like yourself, your career is in jeopardy, please set the precedent for you know the generation that comes after mm-hmm. and, and it's just like um it's the same thing that harvey milk did in the pride parade in san francisco where he was riding on the car and holding up the sign that said i'm from woodmere he was encouraging people around the country to come out and to say that you know lgbtq people exist everywhere not just in san francisco not just in new york city not just in the major cities but we're everywhere and so it's kind of that same idea where it's like encouraging your fellow brothers sisters and non-gender conforming community members to be present and and really show everyone in the entertainment industry we're here mm-hmm. <laughs> we're queer and like we're not going to be losing our jobs for it yeah and at some point we're going to make that shift and really be the ones that are leading the way as being as the blockbuster hit mm-hmm. the ones that are getting paid top dollar to be in these films whether they're queer or not mm-hmm. you know and that's that should be for everyone across the board no matter what minority group you fall into what marginalized group you fall into everyone deserves the right to tell their own story mm-hmm. and it's not to say that if you come from a, a majority group i suppose that you can't tell those stories it's just like realize that the time is now for the people of those demographics to tell their own because they have otherwise been monopolized by mm-hmm. the majority mm-hmm. and suppressed. We have to, yeah, we have to challenge the industry, especially the entertainment industry, and challenge the people that are making these choices to make the right choice and give visibility to LGBTQ plus actors. Yeah, I mean, the fact that there's all these award-winning performances. Is just goes to show that these roles are incredible roles which are worthy of value and these stories are worthy of value and LGBTQ plus actors and and every oh, everyone in the community is worthy of value yeah. and needs to be seen and needs to be represented yeah and it's it's all about those little kids at home watching TV who may feel like they're different, may feel like, oh, I might, that looks like me up there. I might, I might be like that. That's something I can relate to. It's, it's about setting a precedent and setting an example for the younger generation. Representation matters. Amen. Yeah. So, well, just one thought that popped into my head is that on this, uh, the tail end of our conversation here is that 
no one should be oppressed because of their sexuality and nobody should be exploited because of it. So oppression being on the queer community, the LGBTQ plus community, and the same thing with the entertainment industry, no woman should be exploited because of her sexuality mm -hmm. either. And so I think there's a lot to say or unpack or investigate <laughs> in the entertainment industry. And that means we'll just have to have another podcast episode. Mm -hmm. So with all of that in mind, is there anybody you're rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for Mahershala Ali. Yes. I saw Green Book and it was phenomenal. I, I thought it was, it was just an excellent film. It was beautifully done. Yeah. And even though he's not gay, I still think that he deserves some okay. credit for that performance because it was pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, again, talent is one thing. It's only one side of the token mm -hmm. so but we're rooting for you Mahershala and uh I'm rooting for everybody gay everybody <laughs> queer <laughs> but, yes so if you are you know a member of this community we are rooting for you yeah well friends enjoy the red carpet this evening and uh we'll see you on the other side of the awards David thank you so much thanks for, your for time having today. me Nick of course and then I just have to let everybody know Stay tuned for my episode with Nena Janay, which is going to be released this Tuesday. And if you are in the NYC greater area, please join us at the Helmsley Building Tuesday evening for our first ever live podcast. So Spencer Jones and I will be chatting with guests as part of RxR Realty Celebration of Black History Month. And on Wednesday, we will be at DSK Bar in Brooklyn for our third open mic night. So please come out, join us, and we are going to be celebrating musicians and writers of color who have shaped and continue to shape history. As always, thank you for listening. And if you do feel compelled, please hit the subscribe button, give us a rating and a review on your favorite content. I have been your host, Nick Polifron. This has been a typed out production and we will see you on Tuesday. Happy Oscars, everybody. <laughs>